Frustrated, the podcast for people who really fancy a good story. I'm Emily. I'm Rebecca, and we are here with our special episode, <laughs> our top five favourite albums. Yes, we both definitely overthought this, <laughs> and so we have massive lists that we've tried to whittle down. But yeah, what we're going to do today is go through five favourite albums, tell you why we like them, maybe pick out some specific songs and lyrics and all the good stuff like that. And I thought I'd just say as well, the Infatuated Mix, which is our Spotify playlist of all the songs we mention on the podcast, will be excellent after this episode. What I'm going to do is I'm not going to put entire albums on there, but we're going to pick out one or two songs from each album to make it on. And no doubt we'll have some honourable mentions that make it on there as well. And I just wanted to say, I think this will be really interesting because often when I play music in the flat, it's not full albums. Like, mm. I think that's something you tend to do more. Yeah. Like, I normally just stick on, like, a playlist or, like, my on-repeat songs or something. So, I don't know if you'll have predicted mine. I have no idea what your favourite albums are. Yeah. I was trying to think about it. Like, I feel like mine will be predictable because I do listen to albums yeah. as albums. Yeah. And I do. I just tend to do it by myself, apparently. Yeah. So, yeah, so this will be interesting. And, yeah, I think that is intro over (laughs) yeah i think what i wanted to just say was like this was the hardest thing to try and do yeah because obviously there are loads of ways you can approach it Mm -hmm. so like at first i was like i'll do albums that like shaped different points of my life or like albums that have my favorite songs on them or i'll just pick my five favorite artists and go through their albums but like no none of these ways work so (laughs) i've just the way i've approached this was like an album which has no skips that i don't get sick of listening to yeah, I'm pretty much the same. Like a I, perfect album. Yeah, I also made rules for myself where I wouldn't feature film soundtracks, musical theatre soundtracks, like any kind of compilation mm. one. I didn't use any of those. And I've not gone for nostalgia picks either. I didn't use any EPs, even though some of my favourite collections of yeah, music yeah. definitely are EPs. Yeah, same, I didn't do EPs But I either. felt like we were going for LP length. Yes. Cool. Cool. On you go. What's your first top pick? Yeah, so I I also just wanted to say before I list all of these is that all of mine are men. (laughs) (laughs) They're all bands. They're all men. Which makes me a little sad because there are many female artists that I do love. But, you know, I'm being honest. Mm -hmm. I do gravitate towards male alternative rock bands that's what you're getting and yeah I always thought of myself as having quite an eclectic taste in music because what I listen to is so like mood dependent Mm. like there's not many genres that I really dislike but from writing this episode I can see there's definitely a trend in what I listen to the most yeah and I think a big part of what makes me like an artist is their like their voice like the vocals Mm. and apparently I just love a man's voice (laughs) singing at me can't help it so my first album is chip chrome and the monotones from the neighborhood specifically the deluxe version i knew i'd pick an album from the neighborhood because i've consistently listened to them since their first album in 2013 so two of my favorite albums of theirs are i love you their debut album from 2013 and wiped out which is their album from 2015 But yeah, the album I decided is my favourite is their newest one, Chip Chrome and the Monotones, which came out in 2020. That's a great title. It is. And I specifically like the deluxe version because 
there's four extra songs on it, but they've actually put them at the start of the album rather than the end, like mm. artists normally do, which I just think is a cool touch. That is cool. So yeah, Chip Crow and the Monotones. I wanted to talk about the name first because it is very cool. It's actually based on a persona that the lead singer Jesse Rutherford has created. Okay. I don't know if you know Jesse Rutherford, so I thought I'd show you a couple photos. Okay. <laughs> so this image that I'm about to show you is like 2013 era Jesse Rutherford. He was really big on Tumblr back in the day. Oh, he's the Tumblr guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's the guy, right, that guy. Yeah, he's like alternative rocker style, like all leather jackets. He's covered in tattoos. And this is Chip Chrome. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Bit of a departure. He's head to foot silver. Uh, it's a silver outfit, silver gloves, silver paint all over his tattoos, his face, and his hair. I read an interview where he cites Ziggy Stardust as an inspiration. Which Obviously, is you can see that. Obvious. But he's also mentioned, I think you'll like this, Dolly Parton as an inspiration because he loves that she looks fake on the outside, but she's cool with that because she knows that what she's singing about is real. Oh, Dolly just inspiring the yeah. masses. Also, this is the monotones, just the rest of the neighbourhood. They wear like black morph suits so you don't see their faces. That's pretty cool. And then I also just liked this photo of him putting the makeup on. You can see how many tattoos he has. Like, yeah, That looks like quite the undertaking. Apparently it only takes 25 minutes. Fair I know. Play. I know. Fair play. So yeah, Chip Chrome was created around the album. When Jesse Rutherford turned 27, he killed his social media account, joined mm. the 27 Club, and started an account under the Chip Chrome name instead. Yeah, I've talked a lot about Jesse Rutherford and Chip Chrome, so it's actually talk about the album. It's described as a concept album built on Rutherford's own struggles with binge using of social media and the band's identity. The Neighbourhood are quite a hard band to categorise. I would say they're alternative rock, but they have lots of hip-hop influences as well. Mm. And all of that's in this album, but what I'd say is new for them with this one is there's some country influences, for example, on a song called Hell or High Water, and some Motown influences. The song Lost in Translation samples Wish You Were Mine by the Manhattans. Huh. And then breaks down into like more of like a pop style. It's really cool. The song Silver Lining, I think, feels very like Fleetwood Mac inspired. I think I've heard that one. Yeah, I think that's one of their singles. So yeah, it's like a hard one to categorise because the style's quite eclectic. But mm. I like that in an album, as you will see by the rest of this episode. Hey. <laughs> but yeah, I wanted to single out my favourite songs. The first is Devil's Advocate. This is the first song I heard from this album, and it's still my favourite. The bass and the guitar riff in the song is perfect. It just oozes like cool. Mm. <laughs> I love the first lines, which are, I trade the whip out for a bike, designer for some Nikes, switch the stripper for a wife, black tie for a white tee. I've been moving light speed, light speed, light speed, light speed. Look, I don't want to try. Keep it cool like iced tea. So if I seem shy, it's because you seem so shysty. <laughs> um, and it's also got an NSYNC reference with the lyric, selling what you buy, 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 just ah. a product of the 90s. <laughs> Which I just enjoy. That's so good. So yeah, again, I think this song with like the chip chrome persona is meant to like exude cool. Mm. I read that the lyric, look, I don't want to try, is meant to say like, I do try a lot, but I wish I didn't. I wish I could be more chill. I wish I could be like Chip Chrome, who is cool. Yeah. <laughs> 
And yeah, then the chorus goes, I'm the devil's advocate. You don't know the half of it. Good luck trying to manage it. If a god is a dog and a man is a fraud, then I'm a lost cause. Which Rutherford says basically means the world is crazy. No one knows who to look to. So like, (laughs) to quote him, none of us know shit. So it's just about knowing yourself. (laughs) Fair. Honestly, (laughs) I fuck with that message. Yeah. And another song I adore is Pretty Boy. But I actually spoke about that in an episode this series and I don't know if that's out before or after (laughs) this episode I don't repeat myself too much but essentially it's like a lockdown song it's about the world falling apart but at least you have your person the one you love it's very sweet and romantic but with a bit of like haunting imagery Mm. so yeah that's that's Chip Chrome and the Monotones it's definitely the neighborhood's weirdest album and it's not my most played yet because it's new but I think because it's a concept album I just love the whole vibe of it like all the imagery they're releasing around it Chip Chrome having his own Instagram which is is a really cool Instagram that is really Um, cool I love when they go all out yeah and yeah it's just a really like chill album to listen to I love it so that's my first one amazing (laughs) what's your first favourite so to preface, <laughs> most of my, all of mine bar one are women. Yep. Solo, <laughs> alternative, <laughs> and pop artists, which I think is fairly predictable for me, but I was the same as you. Like, I there's not much I will not listen to. Mm-hmm. It's just that I have a very specific vibe of things I like to listen to. Yeah. But I was like, when I went to do this, I realised that I actually do really love pop, and I always thought myself it was more of a, like, indie alternative yeah. person but like I really love pop so yeah my first one obviously I was gonna have a Taylor Swift album <laughs> I could have basically filled this entire list with Taylor Swift albums yeah. but I'm not gonna do that and since I've already talked at length about her reputation and folklore albums back in season one mm. I thought that I would divert the focus to the album of hers which I think is like most in my DNA mm. which is Red And I love Red because, well, it came out in 2012, so I was like 16, you know, it's that moment in your life. But the sound of it is extremely eclectic because it marked her move from country to pop and it has a lot of that country, like, guitar and storytelling in it, but it does have a lot of, like, production... I don't know, I feel like you can really see like her like stretching her muscles in it. Yeah. And like that was very inspiring to me when mm-hmm. I was young. It's just got like some of my favourite songs in the whole world as well. And a lot of the lyrics of it really shaped my own writing. Like I think it was the first time I started really paying attention to lyrics. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'd just start by shouting out some of my favourite ones without context. Yep. I love the lyric back to a first glance feeling on New York time, back when you fit my poems like a perfect rhyme. Spinning like a girl in a brand new dress is one of my favourite similes ever. Mm. Put your lips close to mine as long as they don't touch, out of focus eye to eye till the gravity's too much. (laughs) Which I think is just like so much better than saying kiss me. (laughs) Yeah. This one I thought you would like. There's a lyric on Red that just says... We're just twin fire signs, four blue eyes. And I (laughs) I just think that's a cool image. (laughs) And a sassier one. Now it's big black cars and Riviera views and your lover in the foyer doesn't even know you. Mm. Which I enjoy. But anyway, (laughs) with context, 
This is, I'm going to go off by the way on this one and the other ones won't be so long. (laughs) (laughs) This is essentially a breakup album and I think it's the perfect breakup album because it covers the full story of a breakup. So when it came out, a big criticism of this album was that it's not sonically cohesive. It jumps from like acoustic or country ballads to really hyper-produced pop and then back again. And there's not like a nice flow to any of it. Mm. It's quite jarring. And that's a totally valid criticism. There was like a, oh, there's been no intention behind this track list. But I think there is intention behind the track list because it goes in chronological order of the story it's trying to tell. Right, yeah. Of this like chaotic red love and this breakup with all of its ups and its downs from like grief to healing and all that so I like that that it's a story and so we start in the relationship which I think is quite unusual for a breakup album because usually it starts with the breakup yeah but track one is called State of Grace which by the way such a pretty title (laughs) I love the idea of grace because I, I think that's a really interesting word choice instead of like happiness or peace yeah. Because it's got like this like religious, like ancient divine vibe. And so I think that really sets you up for this like beautiful love. And the track does have some lyrics that I wanted to read out because even though it mainly focuses on like small everyday imagery, it goes really lofty in the chorus and it talks about like fate and destiny, which I think you'll enjoy. <laughs> so the chorus of State of Grace goes This is a state of grace. This is the worthwhile fight. Love is a ruthless game unless you play it good and right. These are the hands of fate, you're my Achilles heel. This is the golden age of something good and right and real. Mm. Which, oh, <laughs> it's so romantic. And it's like so slow and dainty and pretty. Mm-hmm. And then right after that, you have the title track, Red, which comes smashing in with the breakup. And it's like really upbeat and really urgent and the production's much heavier. And the first line of that is one of my favourites. It's, Loving him was like driving a new Maserati down a dead-end street. (laughs) Faster than the wind, passionate as sin, ended so suddenly. Mm. So it's like, bang, we're in State of Grace and everything's perfect, but we're actually just going towards the carnage. Yeah. And the chorus of that song is where she brings in the colour conceit of the album because it goes, Losing him was blue like I've never known. Missing him was dark grey all alone. Forgetting him was like trying to know somebody you never met but loving him was red. And then there's like a whole refrain of burning red just being repeated over Mm -hmm. and over. So you know that I love a bit of synesthesia in writing. (laughs) So assigning emotion colours is like very much my jam. Yeah. Something that I think is cool is that unlike any other album of hers, the title of this one, Red, is styled in all caps. So it's like it's shouting at you. And I think that really sums up all the themes of the album. It's like red is love, it's danger, it's passion, and it's a loud colour. And it, like, burns into your memory. Mm -hmm. So that brings me to my favourite song on the album, and probably my favourite song in the world. Oh my god, Builders, could you shut up? I'm trying to have a moment here. (gasps) How rude. Track five, which is always the most emotional song on a Taylor Swift album. Fun fact. (laughs) All Too Well is the name of this track five. And this song is my entire personality, as you know. (laughs) (laughs) I've literally written essays plural (laughs) about this song in English studies and this is the part in the album I think where it's like you're just past the shock and the anger of a breakup and you're seeing what happened with more perspective yeah so like musically and vocally and structurally like in every technical sense it's perfect song it's five and a half minute ballad 
tells the story of a whole relationship beginning to end in excruciating detail (laughs) and it starts off doing the usual pop song thing where it does like verse chorus verse chorus but then it veers off into the like totally off the fucking rails and like I've I've tried to describe this before and I think that the phrase that I landed on is like a three-tiered bridge Right, yeah. Where, like, each part has different melodies and key changes and shit, Mm -hmm. and then it eventually goes back to the chorus. Yeah. And it's wild. Like, it sounds like losing the love of your life. Oh, I love it so much. (laughs) And lyrically, like, the story is so perfect. The very first line starts with a scarf. And she says, like, I walked through, through the door with you. The air was cold, but something about it felt like home somehow. And I left my scarf there at your sister's house and you've still got it in your drawer even now. And that scarf, like, being there is the perfect image because then she goes on through the whole song to describe scenes from the relationship, starting with the phrase, there we are again. So it's like, your mother's telling stories about you and we're sitting in the car getting lost and we're dancing around the kitchen in the refrigerator light, which is, like, also the image that made me realise that you could put anything in a piece of writing and no one can stop you (laughs) because refrigerators shouldn't be in songs but anyway (laughs) so anyway all these things are described in the present tense like they're still going on even though the relationship is over and it's like the scarf is still in the drawer right and all that builds up to this fucking mental bridge and the first two bits of it go maybe we got lost in translation maybe I asked for too much but maybe this thing was a masterpiece till you tore it all up Running scared, I was there, I remember it all too well. And you call me up again just to break me like a promise. So casually cruel in the name of being honest, I'm a crumpled up piece of paper lying here because I remember it all, all, all too well. And I love the repetition of all because it's a pun! It has everything! (laughs) Because it's not just that she remembers it all too well, it's that she remembers it all Every single bit of it. Yeah. Too well. Can't go over it. Oh! I love the line, break me like a promise yeah. as well. That's such a good line. I know. I know. See the bit. <laughs> Becca's so excited right now. I'm so excited. I just, I can't get over the song. It's the perfect thing. I've not quoted it here, but there's a line that goes, um, I forget about you long enough to forget why I needed to. Mm. And I'm just like, oh my God, Taylor, why would you do that? <laughs> but anyway... Yeah, I love that subversion of the phrase all too well. And then she kicks it into a key change and delivers Time won't fly, it's like I'm paralysed by it. I'd like to be my old self again, but I'm still trying to find it. After plaid shirt days and nights when you made me your own, now you mail back my things and I walk home alone. But you keep my old scarf from that very first week because it reminds you of innocence and it smells like me. (laughs) so perfect like the scarf comes back honestly this is better constructed than half of the short stories we studied (laughs) and it's taught me so much about storytelling because I feel like it just really brings home that idea of like burning red where everything is like vivid and painful because it's vivid and you can't forget it so yeah it's a perfect song but what I love is that after that absolute onslaught of emotion 11 tracks later she takes you through this like intense point of deep grief to like healing and hope and the final track is called Begin Again and it has this beautiful ending refrain that finishes the album of I've been spending the last eight months thinking all love ever does is break and burn and end 
but on a Wednesday in a cafe, I watched it begin again. Oh, that's nice. And who doesn't want that? Anyway, there's so much I could say about every song, but as a whole, I also just wanted to point out how many bangers this album has on it. I Knew You Were Trouble, 22, We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together, Everything Has Changed, all singles off this one album, none of them even close to my favourite songs on it, (laughs) but the fact that they're so, like, well-known shows how influential that this has ended up being as a pop album. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, like, even I knew all those before I knew you, so... (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. It is a long album, which I also enjoy. It's 16 tracks on the normal version and 22 on the deluxe. Wow. So it really takes time to, like, get in about every emotion. Mm Mm-hmm. Aesthetically, it's very gorgeous. It's really bold and blocky, and it's got, like, the trademark red lipstick on the front, which, like... Do you know what I love about Taylor Swift? She just goes absolutely fucking ham on a concept. Like, she's got no... (laughs) sense of subtlety or like understatement no she's like this is the theme ram it ram it down your throat love it (laughs) but yeah honestly buddy me with this album (laughs) i'll be fine with it yeah that was red (laughs) (laughs) what's your next one so we're coming to my five seconds of summer choice i Um, knew this would be here because i really have fallen in love with them over the past year I'm still not into their first album that much. Their second sounds good, feels good. I'm like 50-50. Like, I love some and I don't really vibe with others. But their two most recent albums, Youngblood and Calm, like, I just don't think there's a bad song on either of them. And so it was really close. Youngblood almost made it because of Ghost of You and More, which are two, I think, perfect songs. Mm. But I decided to go with Calm, their 2020 album, because it's the first album of theirs I heard. And I think as a complete album the sound and vibe of it is just like really tight so again we're like alternative rock here excuse the drilling um leaning a bit more on like the pop side and because apparently i just hold on to facts about album names this one's called cam because it's the boys initials callum ashton luke and michael i really enjoy that yeah i think that's really cute (laughs) i just have a vibe with it I feel like they really experimented when making this album because lyrics aside, like the music's amazing and songs like Red Desert and Wildflower, they do these four part, like almost a cappella harmonies. Easier has loads of tiny like background vocals that you have to like train your ear to listen out for, which I love. The bass riffs from Callum and the guitar flips from Michael are always so cool and catchy. The first song I heard from Five Sauce was Youngblood because that's like their biggest song mm. and I remember thinking the guitar riff in this is incredible mm. and then that plus my sister's insistence is what got me to listen to the rest of their stuff. Wildflower is an absolute tune. Yes oh yes I will I will speak about Wildflower. Yeah Ashton Arman's drumming is really unique. I actually remember a while ago seeing a post by someone whose dad I think he like taught music like he was he he, he knows his stuff basically and he saw Ashton drumming on TV and was like, that guy is, like, raw talent. He's um, also pretty hot. He's, they're all pretty hot. <laughs> and then you have a song like Hi, which is just, like, this lovely, like, acoustic ballad, all of that stripped away, just for, like, guitar, bit of piano, looks lovely voice, some, like, really soft harmonies with a kind of, like, scratchy gramophone effect mm. over it. It's really pretty. They all sing at some point, but Luke Hemmings is mostly the front man and 
his voice is wonderful like he goes from super low like quite gravelly vocals to really high falsetto within songs like easier or teeth all of their vocals have matured throughout the years i think that's really clear when you listen to their older music although they did start when they were like 16 or 17 yeah, so, so fair obviously but yeah oh my god looks is just another level <laughs> i think that's why i listen to the album so much because of his voice and then like the really cool instrumentals mm. but i do also love the lyrics i've not really picked a specific song to focus on for this album i'm literally just going to list off a bunch of random lines from different songs that i really like i like go on and light me like a cigarette even if it might be something you regret and no shame that is a good one later in that song you've also got go on replace me when you're craving something sweeter than the words i left in your mouth go on and spit me out Mm -hmm. a vibe in teeth i love the pre-chorus which goes Call me in the morning to apologise. Every little lie gives me butterflies. Something in the way you're looking through my eyes. I don't know if I'm going to make it out alive. And apparently this was written about Luke's current girlfriend right at the start of their relationship, <laughs> which just makes me admire her. Yeah, I like <laughs> through looking through my eyes. Mm-hmm. This song also has the lyrics, Fight so dirty, but your love so sweet. Talk so pretty, but your heart got teeth. Late night devil, put your hands on me and never, 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 ever let go. And I'm just like, yes, Sierra, get it, girl. <laughs> Another line I like is, you got me by the mouth in Thin White Lies. Lover of mine has two really lovely images in the first verse. You've got, lover of mine, maybe we'll take some time. Kaleidoscope mind gets in the way. And then at the end of that first verse, it goes, butterfly lies, chase them away. I just love both of those. You like a butterfly image, don't you? I do. I also like that they reuse their imagery a lot. Like, that mm. image of butterflies I've mentioned twice now. I feel like it makes it feel all cohesive. Yeah. And yeah, I do want to talk about Wildflower, because it's just such a bop. <laughs> um, what I love about it is that it's such a sexually explicit song, but because they don't sing two particular words, mm. it's just, like, played on the radio, because it's this really, like, poppy retro feeling song yeah because they just kind of ooh. yeah it's the chorus goes you're the only one who makes me Mm. every time we Mm -hmm. i'll tell you what i like (laughs) and like in those pauses you've got like this like bang from Mm. like the drums and guitars and if you were in any doubt over what they were singing about in the music video look just mouth the word fuck yeah in the the pause (laughs) which just throws all conjecture out the window there you also have the lines you know you're my favorite fantasy a fatal love song which I just really like. I think that's such a good line. Fatal love song is like, it's real Lady of Shalott vibes right there. Mm, yeah. And they also have the line, waterfall is overflowing. I'm just like, <laughs> right. wonder what that means. <laughs> I love a song that's a dirty joke though. Oh yeah, definitely. They have a few like that. They have Valentine off the Young Blood album. They literally have the line, have your cake and eat it too. <laughs> oh, there's another one that's like way more... I think it's like so deep your DNA is being messed with my touch or something or mixed with my touch. Um, Alexa, play watermelon. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's that's calm. I think it's a really mature album for them. I believe the approach was to make an album that reflected like who they were, who they've been, but also looking to the future and who they want to be. Mm. So some of the songs are a bit darker, but most are quite uplifting. I think you can kind of see that metamorphosis in the lyrics and the music because it is quite a departure in style from 
their previous stuff. And they're currently working on album five, which I'm really intrigued to hear because so far I can rank how much I love their music in order of their release. Like I like the newest stuff more. Mm. So I feel like I'll love whatever <laughs> whatever the fifth one is. Yeah. And yeah, that's calm. It is, as far as it goes, like, because I'm not a huge Five Sauce fan, but that's yeah. the one that has the most songs that I like. On yeah. It, so I can see why you enjoy it. It is just quite different, I think. And it, yeah, it's all quite retro inspired, mm-hmm. which, I mean, is quite a, just a huge thing now anyway. But like, yeah, I really love the vibe mm-hmm. of it. Okay, what is your number two? Yes. My second one will be No Shock to You. It is Melodrama by Lord. I, yeah, I was wondering if you were going to go for this or Pure Heroine, but then I thought, nah, it'll be Melodrama. Do you know what? I actually, I do have to, like, sort of disclaim this. I actually think that I like individual songs from Pure Heroine more than songs on this album. I think I'm the same, but, but the actual whole album is... This album yeah. is just such a cool project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I that, agree. like, if I was going to go start to finish, I would put on melodrama. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this album is, like, weirdly super special to me because I feel like it got me back to my own music taste after a long period of, like, kind of stagnating and, like, you just not really knowing what I was going to like next. I mm-hmm. don't know. And I remember hearing the lead single from it, Green Light, on the radio when I was in the car one day and it was like the first time in months and months and months that I heard something new and was like what is that I love that Mm. so when the album came out totally devoured it and it ended up being like a really inspirational thing like I wrote a whole project based on it because like the whole sonic landscape is all sort of synth and like this mental jazz piano it just like I don't know it caught my imagination and the conceit of that song actually green light which is basically waiting to feel better because you're bored of feeling shit. Wasn't really something that I'd ever heard expressed in that way before. Mm. It felt really original. Like, this album is kind of bored of its own sadness before it even starts. It's got this real, like, undercurrent of wanting to be happy, even though the lyrics are pretty down. And I think she uses the music to convey that, Mm -hmm. which I love. And I should say this album is produced by Jack Antonoff who produces loads of my favourite albums. I love him so much. I love him <laughs> so, so much, much too. Yeah. Um, like, he produced, for, like, Taylor Swift fans, he produced Folklore and Evermore, and he's produced 1989 as well, I think. Yeah. He produced Norman fucking Rockwell by Lana Del Rey. He just, he just does everything. Yeah. Also, his own band, Bleachers, is, like, one of my favourite bands. Did he start off in fun? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's in fun as well. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we love Jack Antonoff. Yeah. So I feel like he's done a really good job of translating the feeling of, like, impatience into the sound of this album because it's a very youthful and, like, impatient album, which Mm -hmm. I love. So, yeah, this is definitely also a concept album. It builds on that idea of the title of melodrama, so every emotion in it is heightened by the music and kind of warped by Mm -hmm. the music. And roughly, I'd say it is a breakup album too. Yeah. But it is more about like personal growth Mm, um -hmm. so what i love about this one is that structurally it's really not afraid to be experimental so there's a recurring setting of a party which starts in track two sober and then the title track melodrama is actually just called sober two and calls back to that track so it takes place the morning after the party with like one of the best lines which is oh how fast the evening passes cleaning up the champagne glasses yeah yeah Oh, so catchy! (laughs) Anyway, that was a digression. (laughs) 
melodrama calls back to that party, which I think is just a cool feature. There's another reprise for track 10, which is just called Liability Reprise, calls back to track 5, which is Liability. And it basically takes what is that like so raw, like spare piano track of Liability and makes it into this weird like choral hymn, mm. which is creepy and so cool. There's a kind of unfinished, it's almost like a demo two-minute bop called Loveless, tagged on to the end of a really downcast breakup ballad called Hard Feelings. And that's actually one of my favourite juxtapositions on the album, because Hard Feelings is, for, a, for a, like a pop song, it's pretty long yeah. and sad, and it basically twists, I, we love, I love a turn of phrase, <laughs> twists the phrase hard feelings into like feelings that are hard to deal with. Yeah. So like, you know this, but the hook goes... Hard feelings, these are what they call hard feelings of love, when the sweet words and fevers all leave us right here in the cold. Alone with the hard feelings of love, God, I wish I believed you when you told me this was my home. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like subverting your expectation of hard feelings, which normally is obviously holding a grudge. Mm -hmm. But then in Loveless, which is tied on to the same track, but it's a different song, she is totally spiteful, and it's really upbeat, and she's like, Bet you want to rip my heart out. Bet you want to skip my calls now. Well, guess what? I like that because I'm going to mess your life up. Going to want to take my mouth shut. (laughs) Which I think is really fun. And I love that, like, she's like a villain. Yeah. In it, she's like painting herself out to have all these bad emotions because you can't have morally pure melodrama. Yes, yeah. Like, there needs to be some intentional, like, fuckery going on. It's like very Shakespearean. (laughs) And she does do melodrama, small m, so effortlessly throughout the album. Like, again, some of my favourite lyrics are Might get your friend to drive, but he can hardly see. We'll end up painted on the road, red and chrome, all the broken glass sparkling. I guess we're partying (laughs) from Homemade Dynamite. Because, like, what a fucking sinister image. And then to undercut it with, like, I guess we're partying. Yeah. And then in the Louvre, which is my favourite song Mm. on the album, that guitar at the start of it just... It's like a heartbeat. (laughs) She's talking about this obviously toxic relationship. Don't know why I love this song so much. And she's like, (laughs) our thing progresses. I call and you come through. Blow all my friendships to sit in hell with you. But we're the greatest. They'll hang us in the Louvre, down the back. But who cares? Still the Louvre. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love it too. I love like the glamorising of something so awful that it's memorable. Mm, like, yeah. It's just so good. And then obviously like the entirety of Liability is total feral self-pity. <laughs> It's the loneliest song in the world. <laughs> Do you know what I was thinking today when I was trying? I was trying to just. Dis- I was like, how would I describe this song to someone that would never hear it? Mm. And I was like, it sounds like a song that the ballerina in a music box would sing. Oh, yeah. It even sounds like a music box when yes, you think of like. Does, no, and I was like, does, that's yeah. the loneliest thing in the whole world. Oh. So yeah, that like that line. So I guess I'll go home into the arms of the girl that I love, the only love I haven't screwed up. She's so hard to please, but she's a forest fire, <laughs> and she's talking about herself. Yes. <gasps> Other aspects of melodrama, writer in the dark, is just terrifying, and I respect it. That's like <laughs> such dark academia vibes. I think that's <laughs> like the minute that you hear. <laughs> Bet you rue the day you kissed a writer in the dark. You're like, this is perfect. Yeah. 
I'll love you till my breathing stops. <laughs> or your breathing stops, one of them. They're yeah. both creepy. But yeah, one more aspect of this album that I really love as a whole is that it's quite unabashedly modern. Like, there's nothing timeless or classic about it. It uses all the production tech it can get its hands on. Even then, some of the songs have lyrics which could only be written in 2017. So, like, the whole song called Supercut, which is about misremembering a relationship and only thinking about the good parts, like, supercuts are a YouTube thing. It's internet culture. And I love that she uses images like that and she doesn't really care about alienating anyone who doesn't get it. Like, she's writing for her peers, not the approval of people, which I enjoy. Although, adorable anecdote time. (laughs) I went to the Glasgow gig on the tour for this album, and while I was there, I met this 80-year-old man who adored Lord, and he was chatting to me, and he was like, she writes lyrics that I can relate to more than anyone else that I've ever heard. That's so sweet. And he was just, he was like an fully like an 80 year old white man yeah and i was like she's she's doing something quite special here and yeah just like on the subject of the tour the visuals for this album beautiful you've seen the cover it's like Mm -hmm. this gorgeous portrait it's all big thick impressionist yeah slabs of color blue and yellow it's very striking the tour visuals were like these ethereal like jarring like very strange videos Mm. it's just all really cohesive and well put together so yeah i feel like it was a perfect album and a perfect era for lord it's been four years though and she needs to be releasing another (laughs) one please yeah but if anyone is a fan of melodrama there's a really good podcast called behind the melodrama where she's interviewed about the album and she goes through it track by track Mm. and talks about writing it and it's just like it's a fascinating conversation so i recommend that yeah, I feel like I need to listen to that. I still remember when I heard that album for the first time because I was sat in like Dundee city centre, like just with my headphones in. It was a really sunny day, mm-hmm. and I had like a book, and I was like, "Oh, I'll listen to this new album because I like our old, like our mm-hmm. first album." But I remember like I ended up never reading my book mm-hmm. because I was just like listening to the lyrics so much. I was like, "Oh my god, this is such a good album." Yeah. That's um, crazy. Yeah, and then you bought me the vinyl for yeah. it, I remember. Yeah, that was. I think that was the first present that I ever bought you, actually. I think, yeah, probably. But oh my god, it's so... I remember vividly not listening to this one the first time, but her first one, mm-hmm. because I listened to her first one after Green Light came out. Right, yeah. So, because I hadn't really got into her before that. Yeah. And I remember listening to, oh, what is it, The Love Club. I love The Love Club, yeah. And I was at uni, and I was walking down, and it was really sunny, and like... Yeah, such a sunny song, yeah. I was like, having such a good day. Anyway, what's your next one? My next one is Try Hard by the band Camino. Ah, you love the band Camino. I do. So this album came out in 2019 when they were four-piece, but they're now a three-piece band. I just think the band Camino are so underrated, so I really encourage you to listen to them. They actually just had a performance last night as we were recording this on Jimmy Kimmel. Oh. So I feel like they're on the precipice of, like, taking off. Yeah. So if you want to be one of those, like... I listened to them before they were killed and do that now because I'm pretty sure they're about to take off. So yeah, this album's called Try Hard because people often called them that as an insult. But they were like, yeah, we are trying hard. We're trying hard to like make cool music and like put all of ourselves into this thing that people will love. So it's kind of like them reclaiming the word. Mm. It's quite a short album, but it is an LP, but it's only eight songs. Mm. But it's still quite hard to narrow down 
favourites because I feel like what they've done is only select the songs that are perfect for this album. Right. And again, because it's just my taste or like an alternative rock group, but they do have quite retro influences. Synths feature quite a bit in their music. Some of the instrumentals can lean quite 80s. There's lots of really heavy drums, which I (laughs) clearly like. I think maybe my favourite song is Haunted. It's a post-breakup song. It's quite angsty. It's the idea that your house feels haunted by the person who's left you. Like, Mm. you can still feel them around. You can't get over them. And I want to read out the bridge because I think it's the best example of, like, the quite gothic, like, melodrama, funnily Mm. enough, vibes. It goes, you're still here even though you're gone. You disappear when the lights come on. You're still the one that I dream about. Now I'm stuck in a nightmare and I can't get out. Hear you say my name, feel you touch my skin, know it's all in my head, but I keep giving in. You were the one I always wanted. You were the one that left me haunted. Oh, I love know it's all in my head, but I keep giving in. Yep, yep. So picture that, but being like shouted by a man with very emotive voice, (laughs) along to like rock style Mm. guitars, heavy drums. I really love Jeffrey Jordan's voice. He's very emotive. And they like leave some cracks in his voice as well, which I love. Because, I don't know, I think it gives it like, the song's quite like a raw quality. Sometimes they distort his voice a little as well, which gives it quite like an edgy mm. vibe. My favourite song to sing out loud to, though, is See Through. The chorus is one of those ones that feels really satisfying to learn because it's quite quick and you can like easily trip up on the words Mm. but it goes i'll be outside i've been cooped up bloodshot eyes need a ride will you pick up couldn't get it right and you're sleeping on me now woke up standing in the middle of the street somehow rebound feeling like a rerun everything that we've done funny how it all played out you're good at looking at me like i'm see-through but i gotta see you i should have learned by now oh that is satisfying yeah and like the the more it goes the more you shout (laughs) like it just gets louder and louder until the end i also love the lyric in in that same song that says how do i get your attention how does it feel to know you always have mine i just think that's very simple but it's like a thought many people will have had (laughs) yeah i love when like someone i hate the word relatable but you know when someone gets like a really universal experience just into the perfect words yeah so yeah that's kind of all i have to say about try hard it's more angsty than their newer stuff. They definitely seem to be like evolving the messaging of their songs as they grow. Um, like they're focusing more on the positives in their newer stuff, but still being quite vulnerable and like keeping that alt rock sound. And I don't think there's anything wrong with a bit of angst every now and then, clearly, because it's in my top five. Mm. But yeah, I'm really intrigued to see what album two looks like. Again, that's one that's being worked on right now. Because I've had this like pretty much on repeat since 2019, so I'm excited to see what what album two is. Because I really liked the singles that they've released so far. Is the one the music video is all pink and it's in like a flower shop? Yeah, roses. Yeah. yeah, I think. I mean, I don't know if that's. I assume it's on the album. I don't know, but either mm. way, that's the direction that they're going in. So yeah, that's the band Camino. Go listen to them. Amazing. <laughs> And what's your number three? My number three is the only man on my list. (laughs) The only man for me, really, (laughs) is Mr. Hosier. Yes. And it is Wasteland Baby. Yes, I had a feeling (laughs) to be on here. 
So, I love Hosier's first album before people start coming at me. I do. But it's really bluesy and rocky, and I'm quite a soft guitar girl, really. Yeah. See, so, I prefer his first album. So, Wasteland Baby is like the perfect sound mm-hmm. to me because it's more alternative and like folky. And it incorporates actual nature sounds, which I absolutely <laughs> love. I do like that, yeah. I like that he has like birds and trees and shit in the album. It's nice. Again, I suppose you could say it's a wee bit of a concept album, but it's more just like that it's got a theme, which is like love in the apocalypse, which seems very prescient. <laughs> Came out in 2019, but like, you know. You can see the future. Yeah. So I would like to have a moment of appreciation for the title which includes the most sarcastic exclamation mark ever to be written down in the English language. (laughs) If anyone is familiar with Hosier, you'll know that he's not a man who speaks in exclamations. He's a very quietly spoken and wry man. And so, Wasteland, baby! Just really sums up the existential tiredness of a generation. Yeah. So, yeah, well done, King. That was was a well played. (laughs) And there are a few core elements to this album which make me really appreciate it. It's sexy, it's angry, it loves music, and it has trees. <laughs> like, in the sound and in the lyrics. Yeah. So there are tracks like Nina Cried Power, which is the opening track, which is extremely powerful. Yeah. And No Plan, which are quite serious. They take on issues like racism and empowerment and, like, crisis of faith and existential dread. You know, the usual. <laughs> and then there's tracks like Movement and Talk, which are just, like, straight up, slow, like sensual seduction where he's blatantly thinking about sex and then trying not to speak about it and try to speak like a normal human mm. which some mood but there's also really joyous songs like almost which is also called sweet music which is so referential that it's basically made up of, uh, like every line is the title of another song Mm. from an artist that he admires yeah which i think is just really sweet yeah um, and it has this amazing clapping rhythm in the background which is really hard to do it's sort of like anna kendrick with the cups and pitch perfect <laughs> but like on fucking speed yeah and when you watch it being performed live it is just mesmerizing to mm. watch so i really recommend that the other song that kind of celebrates music is to noise making which is the most fun to sing out loud <laughs> And it, obviously, because it's Hosier, he conflates the joy of singing with sex, because <laughs> man likes to get it. <laughs> but I really love the opening line, which is just, remember when you'd sing just for the fuck of it, any joy it would bring, honey, the look of it was as sweet as the sound, your head tilt back, your funny mouth to the clouds. I couldn't hope to know that song and all its words, wouldn't claim to feel the same we felt the first time it was heard. I couldn't name that feeling carried in that voice. Was it that or just the act of making noise that brought you joy? <laughs> I love how everything he says is an innuendo. Yeah. And people think that his stuff is pure literary because he has a good vocabulary. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's just... Oh, yeah. I love that. Decided I'd quickly, not as long as the Taylor Swift one, pick out <laughs> a feature song. And my favourite feature of this album is the central image of the song Shrike. So for anyone that doesn't know, a shrike is a small carnivorous bird which relies on sharp branches or rocks for survival so that it can impale its prey on them (laughs) and eat it. So it's pretty gruesome and creepy and bloody, which I love to begin with. But in this song, the speaker is trying to win back a lost love and the image that he uses is that he is the shrike to your sharp and glorious thorn. 
So immediately you just get this idea of like this violent, destructive love, but he literally can't survive without her. Yeah. Because she's the thorn. He's the shrike. <laughs> and it's gorgeous, but it's also like really surprising. And I love when a surprising image is like also the one that he clearly feels like that's the most true. Mm, yeah. I don't know. I just really appreciate that. It's, I've never heard a song about wanting someone to be the stick that you would impale your food on. Mm. And making yeah. it sound romantic. Yeah. And finally, a quote about trees, because this is one of the prettiest like arrangements on any album ever. It's from the song Wood the Eye, which also the title is a pun because it's like W O U L D, but it's a bit it's wood and yeah. <laughs> trees. Trees. <laughs> <laughs> the lyrics are True that I saw her hair like the branch of a tree, willow dancing on air before covering me under garden and calicoes, over canopy dappled long ago. True that love in withdrawal was the weeping of me, that the sound of the saw must be known by the tree, must be felt for the fight, the call, friendly fire, but that was long ago. Mm. And it just like, obviously is Irish and he has this whole like Celtic poetry influence. And yeah, I just really admire that. That's Wasteland, baby. What's your next one? <laughs> My next one is Cigarettes After Sex, their self-titled album. Such a good album. <sighs> I was stuck between two of their albums because I love Cry, which is their 2019 album, because it has Heavenly and Kiss It Off Me, which I think are two such beautiful songs but I decided to pick their self-titled 2017 album because it is just lovely and it has Apocalypse on it which is my all-time favourite Cigarettes After Sex song. I do think it's their most popular if you go by like Spotify Mm -hmm. listens but rightly so. (laughs) It's really good. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. So yeah for anyone who doesn't know Cigarettes After Sex a lot of their songs are very similar. I think they all blend together really beautifully. And obviously I've said already, like, I love when an album's eclectic, so you'd maybe think that I wouldn't like a samey sounding album, but I just feel like this band is the exception, because it's definitely intentional, they're creating a vibe, Mm. a mood, and the lyrics are gorgeous, again I'm going to share some in a moment, but it's really like the overall sound that makes me love them. I've seen them described as many genres, Indie rock, slowcore, ambient pop, dream pop. Yeah, ambient Um, and dream is like the words that I would describe them as. Yeah, I think dreamy is a really great word to describe them. I mean, they are called cigarettes after sex. Like, the connotations are like dreamy, hazy, kind of sensual, Mm -hmm. um, maybe kind of like melancholy. The instrumentals are typically quite chilled drums, like quite repetitive bass and guitar riffs. And Greg Gonzalez, the lead singer, has these really like soft, kind of androgynous, like lullaby kind of vocals. Mm -hmm. It's that like dreamy, hazy sound that always brings me back to them because they're just like the perfect chill background music. I often write to them. Um, I actually even have a note in a document for like a future novel that the vibe for the novel is just cigarettes after sex. <laughs> <laughs> I love like their song K. Yeah. I actually had that on repeat for so long mm. because it's just so relaxing. Yeah, that's the first song on this album. But yeah, as I said, my favourite song in this album's Apocalypse. It's so good. It's a very gothic song, it's very atmospheric. It's about 
a person who's not wanting to get into a relationship because it'll lead to heartbreak but the singer is saying how that person should embrace like the highs and lows that come with love and how this relationship will be worth all the pain okay so gonzalez compares heartbreak to all these like dangerous situations with the lines you leapt from crumbling bridges watching cityscapes turn to dust filming helicopters crashing in the ocean from way above and then he is gently asking her to let go of all that fear because he wants the best for her and for them to be together and he sings got the music in you baby tell me why you've been locked in there forever and they just can't say goodbye (laughs) and then some of the moments he uses as examples of like nice things in relationships are Kisses on the foreheads of the lovers wrapped in your arms. You've been hiding them in hollowed out pianos left in the dark. And sharing all your secrets with each other since you were kids. Sleeping soundly with the locket that she gave you clutched in your fist. You're just so sweet. This is extremely gothic. Yeah. Speaking of gothic, I love this line. Come out and haunt me, I know you want me. <laughs> Which I love so much. And I can't not mention the lyric, Your lips, my lips, apocalypse. That's just pure poetry. Why is the one... <clears throat> that's one of those lines that's amazing because you're like, surely someone's done that. Yeah. But yeah. you're like, no, 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 they've not. Like, I, I've actually noted here, like, I don't know if this is true, but I wouldn't be surprised if the song originated from, like, that line Mm -hmm. because like I don't know it's just so perfect like yeah and then I also just wanted to shout out a lyric from the song sweet it's and I will gladly break it I will gladly break my heart for you which repeats I think four times in the song and I know this is a bit pointless because like we're not playing the song to you but the way he sings this kills me (laughs) (laughs) it's so beautiful So yeah, as I've said, the album, in my opinion, is more about, like, the vibe than individual songs. I love how I can have it on in the background and I don't really need to listen to the words, but, like, when I do sort of tune into them, they're always just so lovely. And yeah, it's the album I always go for if I'm listening to music late at night as well, just Mm. because it's quite chill. And I feel like I never really see people talking about them, but every song they make is so beautiful that... This this is me saying go listen to cigarettes after sex. Yeah, they are one of those bands that like I've heard individual songs and every song I've heard I've been like that's really good, but yeah. I've never sat down and like played them. Yeah, I think I think you'd really. I like really them. did. I think yeah. I would too. I don't know why I haven't. Yeah. So that's that one. Nice. And what is your fourth one? My fourth one is Punisher by Phoebe Bridgers. Mm, I did wonder. Yes. Oh, like honestly. This was such a surprise for me because this album and like Phoebe Bridgers in general were such growers for me. Mm. Like when I first heard her stuff, like I heard Motion Sickness from Stranger in the Alps and I was like, yeah, that's good. And then I played Stranger in the Alps and I was like, meh, it's okay. It's good. I like it. It's not really attention grabbing music. It's pretty easy to disengage from if you're not feeling it. Mm. But then she released a couple of the singles, like the lead singles from Punisher garden song in kyoto and i loved those so i ended up putting the whole album on when it came out while i was working and then before i knew it along with taylor swift's folklore it was basically my lockdown album like i just played it constantly yeah so so well crafted every track sounds completely bizarre 
because the lyrics, even though they tell stories, I feel like they tell them very lightly. Mm. It's like a sketch rather yeah. than like an actual narration and you're kind of left to fill in the blanks. And I was listening to some interviews with like producers and just folk involved in putting together the album and apparently this effect is partly because Phoebe Bridgers writes so slowly. So like she'll write a lyric and then sometimes it will be months and months before she writes the next one mm. and she doesn't like use placeholder ones to finish the song mm. or anything like that. So the songs like get built right like, yeah. Lego, yeah one bit after another and so you get this weird effect of every line being totally deliberate but like a wee bit disconnected it's so cool <laughs> very mosaic-y and i don't feel like i fully understand all of the album yet even though i've listened to it hundreds of times mm. which i also enjoy <laughs> so this is a very very sad album not musically but lyrically and again like wasteland baby it seems to have that kind of apocalyptic feeling but instead of Hosier's like very quiet, romantic, like he has a very like green, decaying wasteland. Mm. Phoebe Bridgers has like an early tarmac, neon, terrifying apocalypse. Mm. The closing track of this album, I Know the End, literally ends with her saying over and over, the billboard says the end is near. Oh. But it's like I can't remember the exact lyrics, but like she, it's like she turns around and there's this billboard. Yeah. And it's like the billboard says the end is here. And she says that over and over. And then the end of that song is just her screaming, mm. like over this big cacophony of like trumpets and drums and stuff. Yeah. Whereas like when you go back to Hosier's title track of Wasteland Baby, it's also the end song. And it's like, finger picks guitar. And he like whispers, Wasteland Baby, I'm in <laughs> love with you. And then at the very end, he even more quietly whispers that's it (laughs) and I just feel like the difference between them is amazing I love it but anyway back to Punisher yeah it's really it's sort of ambient-y I would say as a whole there are faster songs and slower songs but it is overall pretty chill and Phoebe Bridgers' voice is quite low and she doesn't ever well she sometimes belts but she very rarely belts she's always just kind of above a whisper Mm -hmm. so it's quite relaxing to listen to until you actually listen to it i think my favorite song is moon song because shock is a love song about wanting to give all your love to somebody who doesn't really deserve it and can't really handle it (laughs) and i think what i love about that is that it's all quite simple lyrics like it's quite plain but it's just devastating (laughs) so like the first pre-chorus of that song is you couldn't have stuck your tongue down the throat of somebody who loves you more so i will wait for the next time you want me like a dog with a bird at your door (laughs) and the bridge of that song is so simple it breaks my heart because it's just two lines like the key is the definition of a middle eight like it only changes for middle for eight beats and she just says, and if I could give you the moon, I would give you the moon. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why it just gets, the way she says it just gets me. Yeah, that's, I've not heard that full album, but that's one that I do listen to, is the moon song. Um, it's lovely. It is lovely. I love the line as well about, like, it's just so, like, cutting and surprising when she says, like, we hate tears in heaven, but it's sad that his baby died. It's so yeah. grim. I know. But yeah, another song that I want to shout out in particular on this album, just because I think the subject of it is like not something you hear about a lot, mm. is Chinese Satellite. So the song is about atheism or like a lack of faith. But instead of the usual like 
nihilistic discourse about it. Like, you know how some people are like, oh, it's ridiculous, blah, blah, blah. She is, like, grieving her lack of faith in it, Mm. which I've not really seen put into words a lot. So the title comes from the image of wishing on a satellite, which is, like, something Mm. man-made instead of a star. So she says, like, took a tour to the sea, the stars, but they weren't out tonight. So I wished hard on a Chinese satellite. I want to believe. Instead, I look at the sky and I feel nothing. You know, I hate to be alone. I want to be wrong. Oh. It could also be about aliens. People have, <laughs> yes. people have yes. talked about this. But it's like believing in something more, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. That's the whole point. But the second verse, which obviously is my favourite because I love second verses, <laughs> goes, You were screaming at the evangelicals. They were screaming right back from what I remember. When you said, I will never be your vegetable because I think when you're gone, it's forever. But you know, I'd stand on a corner embarrassed with a picket sign if it meant I would see you when I die. (sighs) And that just blew me away the first time I heard it because like, I've heard so many times like the story of someone giving up their faith for love, but not very few of people giving up their lack of faith Mm. for love. Yeah, It's so desperate. Yeah. And also, side note, someone asked me the other day why I always say on this that I like second verses. Um, <laughs> so I realised that I've never really explained that. And it's because by then you know the melody from the first verse. Yeah. So you can usually predict the line endings of the second one. And when you get it right, it's really satisfying. And it feels like everything that gets said in a second verse is always quite inevitable because of the rhyme yeah. scheme. I feel sometimes it can be subvertive though. Like sometimes yeah. people play on it where you think you know what's coming but they switch it. Yeah, well that's yeah. also a really satisfying way for them to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. like either way, a second verse is always like interesting. Yeah. No, I agree. I was like the second verse <laughs> as well. <laughs> but yeah, someone just asked yeah. me the other day. I was like, oh, because I love second verses and they're like, why? <laughs> yeah, I was like a second verse in a bridge. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. There's a reason we're friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so that's me on Punisher. Nice. I feel like I need to listen to more Phoebe Bridgers because I'm pretty sure she works with the guys from Bright Eyes a lot. Um, Is like, Connor? Yeah, Connor Oberst. I'm pretty sure. Did she not have like an actual like prod like, full on? Yeah. yeah. You would like better Oblivion Community Center. That's what. Their yeah, is. and then I'm pretty sure I don't think Connor Oberst, but I think another guy from the band. I'm pretty sure helped on Punisher. Mm-hmm. I think I can't remember exactly who, but yeah. I, I'm obsessed with Bright Eyes and Connor Oberst, so... I think that, yeah, like, that album that they did as Better Oblivion Community Centre yeah. is quite rocky. Yeah, um, I think I've heard one song from it, but I've not I think I've made you to listen it. to... There's a song called Dylan Thomas, and I think I've made you, like, Ooh, listen might, to that. Yeah, it might be that. Because it has the line, a ghost is just a kid in a sheet, which <laughs> I just think is a great line. Yeah. <laughs> Again, Punisher is, like, a grower, because, like, you hear it the first time, and you're like, eh. Yeah. But then the more you listen to it, you're like, whoa. Mm. What's your next one? So I'm ending on an album which I think is incredible. Okay. So I'm about to Go. speak a lot. It's from 21 Pilots. Again, I love all their albums, including their new album, Scales and Ice A, which just dropped like four days ago, five days ago. And I've like already listened to it and love that. But the album that's by far my favourite of theirs is Blurry Face which is their 2015 album, which I've loved since 2015. (laughs) So this is another album that's quite conceptual. Blurry Face is a persona created by Tyler Joseph, the singer. Mm -hmm. He describes Blurry Face as 
representing all the things that I as an individual but also everyone around are insecure about. Okay. And when Tyler performed songs from this album, he wore black paint on his hands and his neck. And I actually have I actually have a picture of that as well just to show you. Yeah. Just cause. You just know. cause. Okay, yeah. And I'll talk more about Blurry Face a bit later on. Once again, this is a band whose style is really hard to categorise. It's definitely like rock and pop, but there are a bunch of different influences again, like hip hop, reggae. There's a few more sort of like indie sounding Mm. songs as well. Tyler does morph between singing and rap, sometimes in the same song. But as for the music, the drums are really prominent. Josh Dunn, who's the drummer, is incredible. He's self-taught as well, which is just madness to me. And because it's just a two-piece band, that really lets the drums stand out, Mm. which I love. And for the album, there's some really dark songs, but there's some like really sweet love songs. Most are those kind of hybrid songs that I love where the lyrics or the message are really dark, but the music itself is upbeat. Mm. And it's basically just like a big emotional experience that is really great to sing along to and like blast really loud. But my favourite thing about 21 Pilots is their lyrics. They're always so clever. There's loads of wordplay. They sing about a ton of important topics, but it never really feels like they're doing it in a performative way. It's more like these are the things that we're thinking about, so we've written a song about them. Yeah. There's a lot of like mental health chat. They have a song called Guns for Hands in their album Vessel, which is like a gun control Mm. song. They sing about the music industry a lot and how they're often told their songs aren't playable on like the radio and stuff because they're such a weird mix of genres. And yeah, I just wanted to point out a couple of favourite lines from songs. There's a lyric in the song Tear in My Heart, which goes, You fell asleep in my car, I drove the whole time, but that's okay, I'll just avoid the holes so you sleep fine. Which I just think is such a sweet lyric and it was written for Tyler's wife. And that song also has, the songs on the radio are okay, but my taste in music is your face, (laughs) which is a sound that's like making its way around TikTok right now. The song Hometown begins with the line, my shadow tilts its head at me, which I just think is such a good line. It's so so creepy. creepy. Yeah. But I wanted to focus on one song's lyrics. I love the message of it because... I just hashtag relate and it is their song stressed out (laughs) so I actually wanted to read out the genius lyrics description for it because Mm. it just sums it up really well it says the lyrics of stressed out are told in the first person with the song being told by both the character blurry face a representation of Tyler's insecurities and an anxious Tyler feeling intense childhood nostalgia The song is primarily about a wish to regain the innocence and carefree nature of childhood before insecurities, i.e. blurry face, existed. Okay. The song starts with, I wish I found some better sounds no one's ever heard. I wish I had a better voice that sang some better words. I wish I found some chords in an order that is new. I wish I didn't have to rhyme every time I sang. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was told when I get older all my fears would shrink, but now I'm insecure and I care what people think. And the chorus is Wish we could turn back time to the good old days when our mama sang us to sleep, but now we're stressed out. And I just feel like it's such a millennial point of view. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I want to talk about the verses as well. So this verse is just like 
pure nostalgia and longing to be a kid and responsibility free and all that stuff that I mentioned sometimes a certain smell will take me back to when I was young how come I'm never able to identify where it's coming from I'd make a candle out of it if I ever found it try to sell it never sell out of it I'd probably only sell one it'd be to my brother because we have the same nose same clothes homegrown the stones throw from a creek we used to roam but it would remind us of when nothing really mattered out of student loans and treehouse homes we all would take the latter oh <laughs> oh the flow though yes i know i'm doing it so badly like he does it much better no, than I, I you did. can hear it just in the lyrics yeah like, they make the flow yeah and then there's even more nostalgia in this this other verse or actually it's more of like the pre-chorus mm. Used to play pretend, give each other different names. We would build a rocket ship and then we'd fly it far away. Used to dream of outer space, but now they're laughing at our face, singing, wake up, you need to make money. (laughs) But, oh, I just love that it's so nostalgic. This really sweet, like, daydreaming moment. Remember, like, playing with your brother. And then it's just interrupted by the wake up, you need to make money line. And in the music video, it's Tyler and Josh, like, sort of playing brothers, and they're, like, riding about on little trikes, and, like, they go to each other's house, and, like, they're playing their music. And then when it gets, like, that bit in the song, it's them lying in a bed, like, two twin beds, with all their, like, parents and their brothers and siblings and stuff, like, shouting, wake up, you need to make money at them. Oh, that's so horrifying. Yeah. Oh, so good. So yeah, I could go on and on about that song because it probably is my favourite on the album, but I'm going to stop there because <laughs> I've r- rambled a lot. But I really do recommend listening to this album because it is all a huge conversation between Tyler and Blurryface. Like, so it's just interesting to listen to, like mm. to, to hear it. And there's loads of different ways to interpret the lyrics, the meanings in certain words or phrases. I was like you know looking at the genius lyrics and stuff just to make sure I'd had words right and all that for this episode but you know how you get like a breakdown of them Mm. all and it could be like this is one interpretation this is another interpretation it could also mean this (laughs) like I love that yeah but yeah that's what I love about 21 Pilots and I just think this album is such a like feat (laughs) such an achievement yeah I just love it and and that's me that's my last one (laughs) okay what's your last one my last one, and I don't like this about myself. <laughs> My last favourite album is Norman Fucking Rockwell by oh, Lana Del Rey. Mm-hmm. But right, <laughs> the thing about it is that Lana Del Rey has got no right to be this good. Mm. Like, the woman is such a contradictory, strange figure who sometimes says, like, the dumbest shit. And her lyrics all follow the same formula of, like, glamour model with a daddy kink. And she just shouldn't be allowed to make an album that's this good. (laughs) But it is. And for that, I bow. She's aced it. There's not a bad song on it. It's really sonically ambitious. Again, Mm -hmm. produced by Jack Antonoff. And it does the whole, like, cursed city of angels, Joan Didion being depressed in the 70s on a sun lounger thing. That's what it is, and it does it so very well. It has the best opening lines of any album ever. (laughs) In the title track, Norman fucking Rockwell. You hit play on this album, the first thing you hear is, God damn, man-child, 
you fucked me so good that I almost said I love you. <laughs> Only Lana can say that. Yeah. No one else could say that. Basically a cappella as well, because yeah. there's barely any music at that point. And like, you're just not ignoring that. So I feel like it's just the strongest start to any album. And every single song, I feel like, keeps up that like intensity, mm-hmm. where you're not allowed to not be paying attention. But every single song is different. Venice Bitch, which, again, I hate how much I enjoy that pun, is nearly ten minutes long, but it feels short. Mm. Love Song, which is one of my favourite titles, manages to make dogging sound romantic. (laughs) Fuck It, I Love You sounds like you're just speeding along a highway at night, which is a vibe. Yeah, I think that's my favourite song on the album. The cover of Doing Time by Sublime is just absolutely banging. Like, who knew that she could do like 90s R&B the chorus of Cinnamon Girl which is probably my favourite song on the album absolutely takes me out Mm. when she says there's things I want to say to you but I'll just let you live (laughs) like if you hold me without hurting me you'll be the first who ever did Mm. like she's so serious and it's ridiculous because you can tell that she like earnestly believes all this bullshit and that's how she's managing to pull off these dramatic lyrics I don't feel like it's done in the same spirit as, like, Lord, where it's melodrama, but it's a very self-conscious concept. Mm-hmm. I feel like Lana Del Rey is just a melodramatic person. Oh, yeah, that's just her. And yeah. I love that about her. Yeah. It's insane. Also, in the closing track of this album, Hope is a Dangerous Thing for a Woman Like Me to Have, she shouts out Sylvia Plath. Yeah. So, yeah. This is 10 out of 10 for me. And I want to criticise it. Because it's it's an insane production, <laughs> but I love it. It's great. <laughs> There's nothing better than driving on a sunny day to Norman fucking Rockwell. Yeah. Do you want to read her poetry collection? I'm, con- no. I'm curious. No. I feel like her lyrics sound really good when she sings them because her musicianship is excellent mm. and her voice yeah. is like seductive. Yeah. But I feel like if I had to read Lana Del Rey's thoughts on a piece of paper in my own voice, yeah, I would not then be able to take her seriously anymore. Because that's kind of what I thought as well, because I remember when it came out, I feel like I was either going to buy it for myself or... Did it come out for Christmas? I think yeah. I maybe thought about getting you it for Christmas and then I was like, I actually don't know if either of us would like this. It looks like a really pretty book, I'll give her that. Oh yeah, that, yeah. The actual yeah. book. Like, I would maybe like to own it at some point just to have a look at it. Yeah. But, yeah, I've not... Like, I say this with the utmost fondness and love for Lana Del Rey. I don't want to read her poetry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll just listen to it. (laughs) Yeah. So, I know that we made some runners-up lists. Yeah. Shall I go first now? Yeah. Do you want to just... Just go through all of them? Shout it out. Okay. I think we've got 20 each, right? Yeah. (laughs) Just to prove how hard this This was a really hard time. And honestly, like, I don't know about you, but for me, like, any of these 20 on a different day probably could have made it into the top five. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) So, yeah, I... Right, let's just go. I love anything Conor Oberst does. I love his solo album, Upside Down Mountain, and his band, Bright Eyes. Two of my favourite albums of theirs are Casadega and I'm Wide Awake It's Morning. I unapologetically like the Beatles. (laughs) I grew up listening to them because my dad loves them and I think my most two like listened to albums of theirs are Hard Day's Night and Help. 
Death Cab for Cutie are one of my favourite bands. Actually, I can't really believe they didn't make it onto this list. Mm. Plans is my favourite album of theirs and probably would be like number six. Mm. <laughs> and I also listen to their albums Transatlanticism and Thank You for Today a lot. Elliot Smith is another of my favourite songwriters. I often tell people that Between the Bars is my favourite song. It's just one that always comes to my mind and that's on his album Either Or. And I also love Figure Eight by him. Father John Misty's I Love You Honey Bear is such a beautiful album, so good. Finally Some Woman, I love First Aid Kit. (laughs) Um, I think my favourite album of theirs is Ruins. I always listen to that in the autumn because it feels very autumnal. Group Love are such a cool band. I haven't got around to listening to much of their newer stuff, but their first two albums, Never Trust a Happy Song, and Spreading Rumours are favourites of mine. For emo slash Halloween vibes, I love the Mains album, Forever Halloween, Mm. because that's just my life. (laughs) And I love, love, love Mr. Wives. I was waiting for this. Yeah, Mandy Lee, who's the front woman, just seems like the sweetest person in the world, and her voice is incredible. I listened to their first album, Our Own House, all the time and again that was like a really close front runner for this episode mother folk were a new discovery for me last year and i love their ghosty vibes on their album family ghost mm-hmm. i'm obsessed with panic at the disco and if i went for nostalgia picks and i think their album vices and virtues would have made the list this is the first album that dallin weeks joined them on and i think you really see his impeccable influence And finally, I have two albums from The Wombats, Glitterbug and Beautiful People Will Ruin Your Life. They're both (laughs) filled with absolute bops and I love the names of both of them as well. Glitterbug is such a good album. Yeah. So yes, that's my 20 honourable mentions. So for my 20 honourable mentions, I like, Taylor Swift has nine albums. Yep. I'm not going to take up my list with that, but like all of those. Okay. (laughs) Now my 20. (laughs) In no particular order, Lungs by Florence and the Machine mm. is one of my favourite albums ever. I feel like it totally changed, like it opened up a landscape of music for me mm-hmm. when it came out that I hadn't really been exposed to before. It was my first foray into female alternative, which is my main genre now. Yep. Back to Black by Amy Winehouse. Oh, yeah. I love jazz and <laughs> I love blues and I love Amy Winehouse and I'm sad she's dead. AM by Arctic Monkeys. Mm. I liked a lot of songs from previous Arctic Monkeys albums, obviously, but this is the only album of theirs that I could put on and not skip anything. I just think it's a brilliant sound. Yeah, um, yeah, I like that as well. And some of the lyrics in that album are hilariously amazing. Yeah. The whole song, Arabella. <laughs> I love Arabella. It's such a, like, the bit where he says something about tell the sunset to get itself behind her or something like that. It's just so fucking good. My Head is an Animal by Of Monsters and Men, Mm. which is just the most bizarre trip of, like, fantasy-inspired folk, I guess. Yeah, they're from Iceland, aren't they? So it's very, like, folksy. And it's like, the images don't make any sense and they're all very, like, magical. I love it. Girls and Boys by Ingrid Michaelson was the first Ingrid Michaelson album that I listened to and it was very close to being on this list. 
she is one of my favourite musicians ever and I like she has a very loyal fandom but mm. I don't like see a lot of people talk about her yeah I just think she's got the one of the most amazing voices ever The Family Jewels by Marina and the Diamonds just full of bops <laughs> and a good name Manic by Halsey was her second or third album third maybe and I love the vibe of it. It's very like colourful, like paint splattery vibes and it's a little bit softer. It doesn't have as much pop punk as her first few, so it appeals to me more. Far by Regina Spector. I would have all of Regina Spector, but Far again is like the least weird Regina Spector album. Yeah. Like a lot of like Soviet Kitsch and things like that is very Yeah, I really listen to that. You can't yeah. really put that on in a room. And expect people to listen to it. Yeah. Whereas Far has more like palatable songs. One of my favourite albums ever that I will not apologise for is One of the Boys by Katy Perry. <laughs> I just can't not be happy when it's on. Women in Music Part 3 by Haim came out last year and I feel like it's too good for me. Like I listen to it and I'm like that like I feel like I eat junk food in my music consumption and that's like vegetables i'm like <laughs> this is what people with real taste would listen to yeah i almost had their second album on my list it's so good fine line by harry styles yeah not a bad that was, song that on was it. close as well not a bad yeah, song on i it. also like his first one eyes open by snow patrol for a nostalgia pick because yep. you can't hate the album with chasing cars on it <laughs> Wonder by Lisa Mitchell is one of my favourite albums ever. She's quite a small indie folk singer from Australia and I think she has albums after that but this was the best one. It has mm. bizarre like songs about turning into a crow and flying away and shit like that on it. Nice. It's pretty cool. <laughs> the Wilds by Henry Jameson, a man with a beautiful vocabulary and a drinking problem. <laughs> Let Go by Avril Lavigne because I was born in 1995. <laughs> Yeah. These Streets by Palinutini because I was born in 1995. <laughs> <laughs> Bomb in a Birdcage by A Fine Frenzy. Probably best album title. Mm. And Alison What's-Her-Face that is the front woman from Bomb in a Birdcage is in the Fantastic Beasts films now, which is a weird term. Oh, She's the yeah. lady that's like all pink. Yeah. She is... That, that's A Fine Frenzy. Interesting. But yeah, I saw like something about one of those films recently and I went yeah. back and listened to that album and it still slaps. <laughs> In Between Dreams by Jack Johnson. There is nothing better on a sunny day than lying outside listening to that album and I don't know how he managed to get his guitar to sound like stars on the song <laughs> Constellations, but he did. Build a Problem by Dodie, her debut album that just came out this year. I have been listening to it non-stop. I think it's wonderful. And finally... No One Else Can Wear Your Crown by Oh Wonder, who are like a small kind of pop indie duo. That album is very tender and I mm. really like it. Nice! That's us. Please let us know if you like this format because we do have ideas for some other favourites, some other music ones, but also like just other stuff and i feel like we might spend the rest of the day just watching on these music videos because that's what i want to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah that sounds pretty good to me to be honest. <laughs> but yeah if you guys have any comments or questions then our email is infatuatedpodcast at outlook.com 
we also have social media which is linked in the show notes along with everything we talked about today including the infatuated mix which is going to be bopping yeah it's going to have grown a lot (laughs) after this episode and yeah please rate and review us on your podcast apps because that helps get the podcast out there this episode was so much fun i would just have to say yeah Um, this has been one of my favorite ones to do so if you do like it please 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 rate it um, (laughs) yes and rate us and tell us yes thank you goodbye